So we realised when we recorded this episode that we actually didn't really introduce ourselves properly uh, in a proper podcasting rookie way. So we wanted to do a little introduction about who we are and what our favourite books are just before we get into this episode. Megan, do you want to go first? Yeah, so hi, I'm Megan. If you haven't met me before, I'm a teacher and uh, my background's in the arts. And my favourite book, uh, I guess at the moment, my favourite book is probably My Year of Rest and Relaxation. And as you'll hear in the podcast, I just love a very messy heroine. And that one springs to mind as the one with the messiest heroine I can think of. What about you, Natalie? Uh, I'm Natalie. I am a freelance writer, editor, and I also work in arts marketing. And I live in Manchester. My favourite book, I mean, I'm cheating a little bit, but I'm going to say The Neapolitan Novels by Eleanor France, which is actually four books, Mm. but I can't choose. So I'm going to go with those. (laughs) Why do you love those? I guess I love that she writes um, similarly, quite messy female characters. But I also just love books that transport me somewhere else and you get to be in Naples for all of those four books and kind of follow these two characters throughout their whole lives. And my favourite thing is the character-driven books, for sure. Brilliant. Yeah, and I guess to sum up, uh, we're two best friends living in Manchester. We have like started this book club together and um, it's got to such a big stage that we want to do something more with it. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Time for a podcast. All right, let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, welcome. Welcome to the new Feminist Fiction podcast. Yes, uh, Natalie and I are finally doing it. We've been thinking about doing it for a while and here we are. <laughs> Nobody asked for it, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Um, If you're new to our club, to Feminist Fiction, um, we are a society, I guess, of loads of different people in the Manchester area, but we've now expanded to um, Halle in Germany, Liverpool, Belfast, I think we've got more coming up, so we're getting bigger and bigger. (laughs) Yeah. And um, yeah, we thought it was about time that we did something a bit more, really, with the growth of the community gave you something back so here we are yeah well I think it's it's kind of just another excuse for us to talk about stuff as the book club (laughs) is um absolutely I think I suppose it's that we've like noticed through doing the book club through things that you've been doing Megan on social media that there's lots of really it rate like lots of the books that we're reading things that we're talking about raises very interesting topics and discussions and things that we talk about when we meet up that we kind of wanted to delve into yeah it's like the same things are kind of coming up again and again now aren't they in the different um sessions that we're having so we're going to keep each episode of the podcast to a theme of things that have been brought up in the clubs basically yeah and kind of referring to different cultural things and I suppose we have definitely like I think doing the book clubs has definitely made me think about my own idea of feminism and what Mm. it is and it's and it's definitely made me understand that people view people view it differently I think within the club yeah definitely I guess I assumed in the beginning that people would all be coming with exactly the same mentality but actually there's so many variations in there of what people believe and I guess um, Natalie and I um, 
both have this certain opinion that we're going to share with you now but obviously it's just a, an opinion and there are people within the club that disagree with it and um we're going to be talking about women behaving in what might be seen as an unfeminist way particularly within relationships because that has come up a lot um and i guess my first thing is i feel that feminism is just wanting equality for the sexes and for me it's as simple as that and I feel like it's almost from the discussions that we've had it actually always becomes more complicated and nuanced than that um Mm. for a lot of people it just doesn't seem that it is as simple as that um but I guess I'm going to be making an argument for that being the case that Mm. you can be literally any kind of woman to be mm. a feminist or and not just women like non-binary people men as well to be a feminist you know yeah and I definitely some of the examples that we're going to talk about like you know when you've talked about it on social media I've had responses where people have kind of said some of the characters that will be referring to are maybe are not feminist or not behaving in a feminist way and I think it's I do think it's interesting because I sort of think it's like what where you're perspective lies as as well even Mm. if they're not behaving in a quote-unquote feminist way it's also whether you think the responsibility lies with them or whether like their behavior is the result of like patriarchy and internalized misogyny or those different things I think because I think that Mm. that's like a real sticking point is whether you for me it's quite like second wave feminism the idea that Mm. it's kind of the woman's responsibility and I think uh yeah I guess I'll I'll probably be arguing that it's not yeah no definitely I mean um we're not really going to talk about this book that much but the current book that we're reading playing bad heroines I've had a lot of people message me about that saying um they like the characters in that because they're really strong and for them that feels like a more feminist character and Mm. I guess I don't feel that you need to be strong at all to be a feminist I feel like you could be the most um weak I guess version of yourself the most cautious and shy and insecure and not brave at all and still be a brilliant feminist um Mm. that's yeah (laughs) yeah and I suppose like probably I mean showing just maybe some bias some of the things that we'll be talking about I think are like some of our like favorite things (laughs) some of our favorite books yeah our favorite characters and it's really interesting like because for me it's actually like weirdly like a relief to read about these people and these characters oh, and yeah. storylines and I feel Absolutely. like I see myself in them or I see my things that I've done or yeah. my, and it feels yeah compared to um necessarily like seeing very strong characters it's not to say that I don't like that but I definitely don't relate <laughs> yeah, in the same way which maybe says something about my own personal life and no, choices. I, I feel like that's something that you and I have bonded on so much, isn't it? You know, I do love a very messy heroine because I feel like I'm really messy and mm. I make so many mistakes. I'm not strong, you know, all of the time. Some mm. of the time I fake it. Uh, and yeah, definitely the people that we're talking about in this podcast are people who I actually do really relate to. And I've been surprised that so many people in the club don't um, and mm. actually actively dislike these characters um so I'm gonna be making mm. a case for why they're great mm. it's just like <laughs> us doing like an in defense of podcast basically yeah in defense of very very messy women <laughs> yeah so, so I yeah. mean 
Should we? Do you want to? Do you want to start with our first example, which actually yeah, isn't a book? Cool. So yeah, um, we thought because you know feminist fiction doesn't have to be just books. So we're going to start with Cassie from Euphoria. Um, who, Spoiler alert! Mass first oh, of all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, before we do any of it, um, the things we're going to talk about are Cassie, Lisa Tadia's Animal, and Three Women. Um, Acts of Desperation by Megan Nolan and then Sally Rooney, General Sally Rooney. So those things are all going to have a lot of spoilers in. Um, mm. Yeah, let's let's make a start. So with Cassie um, in Euphoria, I'm trying to think, if there's anyone who hasn't um, watched the show, um, it is a character who, who really lives by male validation. She, she loves to be praised by men. It's partly because her dad left at a young age and had alcohol abuse issues um, that she is quite messed up about men. And she is a very, very beautiful uh, young woman. So beautiful that all it's kind of narrated that um, everybody notices it. The, the girls, the boys, the teachers. Um, she's one of those women who's very visually appealing and she knows it and it's a problem because um it feels to her as though it's her only value I don't know would you Mm. agree with that yeah I mean she's very like she's a popular girl in school and I guess the way she looks is pretty like male gazy and the show is quite male gazy and that she's like big boobs blonde hair yeah very thin um and yeah, she's always in relationships, I suppose, isn't she, throughout the series. She's always got a boyfriend or some someone, you know, on the go. So in the first season, she has a few different flings with men. None of them are um, very substantial. But men do say to her in the first season that that her value is all in her appearance and they are quite derogatory towards her. They, they make mm. her feel awful about that being her only thing to offer. They actually outline that she has nothing else to offer so her Mm self-esteem is like rock bottom and then in the second season which is what we've been talking about in the club really um Mm. she develops a more substantial relationship with her best friend's boyfriend Mm. um so that's the first thing that i think is problematic about cassie is that she has i guess taken her best friend's boyfriend Mm. um so maybe we could talk about that first there's so much to say isn't there about cassie Mm. but (laughs) it's kind of the opposite Yeah, it's like the opposite of hoes before bros, isn't it? (laughs) She's like, (laughs) she's, and I think that's a big reason that people don't like her. Like, it's really interesting. I was just in like super drug and these teenage girls were talking about euphoria and they were really like slagging off Cassie and saying it was kind of like, how could she do that to her best friend? Which I thought like, also when I was a teenager, I probably would have had that response. Mm. But... Um, and I get, you know, on a very basic level, it's it's bad to do that to your friend. But one of the things that I thought was really good about this storyline with Cassie is that it's kind of more about um, love addiction and like what it's like to be in a relationship yeah. with someone like Nate, who's essentially quite um, abusive and like gaslighty towards her and sort of makes her go completely 
insane throughout the period of their relationship like she's always been kind of pandering to men's needs and that's like you say she's been told that's like her value in life and then when she starts seeing Nate who's her best friend's boyfriend sort of ex-boyfriend I think that's probably worth pointing out yeah yeah um not that it really makes it any better (laughs) but um yeah she she that kind of gets turned up to like a hundred in Cassie and I, I don't know about you, but I really actually really related to to her storyline. I've, when I was 18, I was in a relationship where I behaved quite a lot like Cassie does. <laughs> yeah. Because I was with someone who actually was quite a lot like Nate. Yeah. And I think, I sometimes feel like people miss the point with Cassie and like the point of the storyline. It sort of becomes all about her betraying her best friend and actually what it's about is like what it's like to be in a relationship with someone like that and what that makes you become in trying to please them you know and for me that's what makes Cassie such an interesting character and to be honest for me she's she's more of an interesting character than Maddie at the moment although I think they've got they've got loads of room to play with Maddie hopefully next season Mm. but I I think what I find interesting about the two of them, sorry, Maddie, if you don't watch the show, is Nate's previous girlfriend. And she is what you might call like a very strong woman. Like in all yeah. scenarios, she holds her own. Um, she's super confident, super popular. Um, she dresses so confident. She wears whatever she likes, glitter, fake nails, um, high heels. She struts around the school and mm. she doesn't mind getting into a fight. Like she's really the boss bitch everywhere <laughs> boss bitch mm. inverted commas um and so she couldn't be more different to Cassie really you know like for me Cassie is so riddled with insecurities and that's for me what makes Cassie so interesting and but the love that Maddie's getting from the public is really interesting to me and mm. the hate that Cassie's getting is really interesting mm. to me when I feel personally like Cassie's plotline is a lot more interesting like you said about the love addiction and what happens to women um as a or just what happens to anyone as a result Mm. of um being in that scenario with like a character like Nate so Nate is very narcissistic only cares about himself does not care about her at all so all of her primping and preening to impress him doesn't really do anything he can take her and or leave her can't Mm. he and that makes Mm. her even more obsessed with him even Mm. more mentally ill like Mm. I want to talk about the scene where she's dolling herself up um a lot like was that a big Mm. sort of moment for you as well yeah and I mean just I'm gonna like overshare about my life but like yeah thinking about this relationship (laughs) I was in like it was similar to Nate and Cassie where like initially Nate is like really into it like really really into it kind of yeah and we see that in his storyline and, and I think like they themselves believe that and kind of love bombing behavior mm-hmm. and then it's just like completely withdrawn and so yeah. it's like you're always trying to get back to this place of of love with them and their mm-hmm. full attention and that kind of like preening and trying to impress I definitely think in not in the same way as Cassie but I did a version of that where it was like everything in my life started to be like how can I like get this person to pay attention to me and how can I meet what they want from from me because 
I'm not doing I'm not meeting their requirements and I did before like and I just Mm. have to get that thing back again and I feel like watching her she just goes you know I think there's that amazing scene where they're they're at the um hot tub they're in the hot tub at her house yeah for Maddie's (laughs) birthday I think isn't it yeah and Nate comes over and she's really drunk and she puts on this like ridiculously skimpy like swimsuit yeah. and just like parades around and I was Which, just like, like that's got that swimsuit's got so much criticism um as a lot of people are saying that she shouldn't have worn that that mm. it was just all like the male gaze and but it was so funny like for me it was purposeful like for the comedic value of the scene anyway go on tell me more about yeah <laughs> I don't know it's, it's so hard but, like with euphoria in general because obviously Sam Levinson he's who writes and directs it he's been quite criticised for it being very male gazy as a show. Yeah. And the women are, like, quite sexualised in it, especially Cassie. Like, she's always, like, naked, mm-hmm. wandering around in a swimsuit. And I think it's it's valid, but then it doesn't happen with all of the characters. I think that's what I was saying. And it, where it does happen with her, it does feel like it's happening for a reason with Cassie. Yeah. And it, like, that's what she's trying to convey to the world. Mm-hmm. And so it does sort of make sense that she would look like that and be portrayed in that way. I also think, like, her whole storyline, particularly in the second season, is about her response to the male gaze. Like, I really feel like it's a feminist point that she, you know, has to... Feels that she has to spend, like, three hours before she goes to school putting on her makeup, you know, scrubbing her skin. I I mean, I really, really felt Mm. that pressure and you know I definitely felt that pressure more when I was younger as well and I thought there's a really good comment on the experience of of being a woman particularly being a, a young woman and being told not just by your lover but by absolutely everyone's society that you need to look perfect you know people selling you things to make you look perfect and yeah for me yeah I really feel he's done a good job but I guess I can see where the criticism is coming from because they are all very scantily clad all the time. Mm. But I just don't care. I just love this show so much. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's also like, again, yeah, not necessarily the, the, doesn't happen with like Rue really at all, you know, Mm. comparatively. And I do think it's like not applied to all of the women in the show. I think this yeah, thing I about like... Yeah, Rue's like more sympathetic because she's always dressed so like casually and almost like traditionally like boyish, I guess. Like people seem to be more on board with her storyline. Yeah, and it's like, it is interesting, isn't it? Like you say that those people are more popular and that it's like that's more palatable for us to watch women now not be... not. It's like It's like we went from women always being portrayed in this super kind of sexualized or like housewifey way back in the 50s and then that that got pushed against and it's like now we're in this other place where it's like now it's bad to to pander to men or Mm. in any way and then when we see that in women we we think it's bad yeah but I I think it's like for me so like now seeing someone like Cassie feels like weirdly refreshing or like unusual comparatively to which I don't know, maybe that's a weird thing to, to say, but... No, I feel like, I, I feel like in a way, sh- for me, it's like taking all those 90s tropes of like, you know, like um, 
films from the 90s, uh, what am I thinking of? Like Coyote Ugly and stuff, where it's like the women are super sexual and they're mm. up on the bar dancing in the scantily mm. uh, clad and whatever. And that's supposed to be really, really empowering, but it doesn't quite land. Whereas it's almost like he's taken those themes of, and, you know, he's trying to show how Cassie sometimes succeeds in using her sexuality in a good way sometimes she doesn't and ultimately doesn't really matter because the power is always with the men and whatever she does she never wins and what what I find really compelling about her is actually the fact that everybody hates her like all women Mm. hate her like Mm. that seems so so sad to me considering how sad her storyline is that we can't back her yeah yeah, and I just, I felt immense, like, sympathy for her. And, yeah, yeah, and I think it does make you, like, there are times when I look back at this relationship I was in and I just was, like, desperate. You just behave mm. in a completely desperate way. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and I felt it was, like, really nice to see that on screen, to actually see yeah. her go there. And so I felt really, like, seen by that because... I think yeah. when you're going through it as well, you are, you are, you know what you're doing. Like, you know it's desperate. You know it's yeah. pathetic. And I think Cassie does know all of those things, but it's like she doesn't care because she is just mm. someone also who's, like, completely in love. And mm. that that kind of drives you crazy. And it's like, it's like people have an issue with the fact that she can't, she can't be like, oh, I'm going to put all of that aside and be, like, a feminist. Like, I'm going to put... <laughs> yeah my love aside and I'm going to put all of these feelings that I have aside and I'm going to be feminist instead it's like that's what people expect of her Mm. and in not doing that they don't like her but like I don't know like is Cassie really not a feminist like by what measure like we don't know Mm. if she believes in equality for the sexes it's never commented on like Mm. I guess that's what that's all I'm saying is maybe people look at it as a not feminist storyline but for me it really is and I don't think that you need to be proclaiming your like like we are. I don't think you need to be like we are, like having a podcast about feminism mm. and a book club about feminism to be a feminist. Like she may very what very well want equality, even if that is in the mold that we expect from her. Where she, yeah, she definitely wants to be somebody's wife and uh, have a traditional type of family. She's really obsessed with that because of her background her dad not being there but of course like people who want traditional families and want children and want to dote on their partners Mm. like for me that's they're still feminists like as long as they believe in equality of the sexes you know what I mean yeah and like there has to be room for for these people and it's that strict yeah it's that thing of like there isn't or something that is something that feels a bit like that isn't or that people are like also like especially hard on characters like Cassie who you know I don't know it's like I so it's her behavior like taps into something in people that they mm. feel I don't know what it is like sparks this intense thing I think this intense response you know yeah but I I, I really don't know if it's people I do feel like mm. it's like white cis women that are having this like strong repulsion mm. towards her and I feel like you know that is it really that for me really needs to stop like if we're just judging each other and Mm. criticizing each other so much like then we're just like for me we're just the agents of the patriarchy like we're doing exactly um 
we're encouraging her her behavior we're making mm. her try and fix herself and make her better and better and better every morning with all this makeup and stuff because she's not comfortable in herself because she's got so many critics do you know what i mean and yeah. like she's young she's so young like okay she got with her um best friend's boyfriend well you know she's what 16 17 hmm. she's a bit of an idiot we were all idiots at that <laughs> age i just think like forgiveness yeah. is good you know yeah <laughs> anyway maybe we should move on so should we talk about one of the other ones as well like a book now yeah i feel like a good segue mm. away from cassie and some of the other things we're going to talk about probably is that preening thing because mm. I think I felt I really liked how in Euphoria they showed the kind of enjoyment of like preparing herself for this thing. Yes, yeah. And like whilst it's been criticised for being male gazy, I actually found that very like female gazy. That thing of like, yeah. I definitely think, you know, and I've been in a long term relationship now, so it's not quite the same. But like when when you go on dates, you know, when yeah. you're dating or you've just met someone you're excited about it, the, like, enjoyment that you take in, like, the preparation and the kind of, like, dreaming about the thing. Yeah, you know, kind of. Daydreaming. Like, for me, I felt like, yeah, it's, it's the dream, but it's also the anxiety and they go hand mm. in hand. And, like, I saw yeah. all of that in those scenes. Like, you know, every time I date someone new, I am doing, like, you know, my hair has to be perfect. Mm. My makeup has to be perfect. Get a new dress, get new, you know, it's embarrassing and then when you turn up, you know, it's probably a shit date anyway. <laughs> so I just think, like, I totally empathise with that. But I also, I do really agree with you as well. There is something quite, like, female, I guess, in a stereotypical sense about... I guess there is something nice about that luxury that we have of mm. allowing ourselves to, like, put on the makeups and the creams and everything. Like, I was thinking today... Um, in assembly like I work as a teacher if no one knows that mm. that like so many of the girls have got so many bows in their hair and mm. like I was thinking maybe the boys want to choose like a sparkly bow to put on their mm. hair you know like mm. we get quite a lot of nice frivolous nonsense don't we and, mm. and it makes us feel good sometimes it makes us feel good sometimes it makes us feel really really anxious but yeah. you can kind of like transform yourself and at mm. least pretend to feel really good even when you mm. feel bad like on the outside we can actually convey like a sort of different version of ourselves yeah in, you know <laughs> do you think it's like I definitely thought with the with Cassie and, and I guess the segue is I was going to talk about acts of desperation because yes it they she talks about this in that book of the kind of prep preparing mm. before seeing someone and I think like for me it's definitely been like you have an you have an idea of how it's all gonna go mm. on the date and like you're preparing yourself to almost like walk into the bar like slow motion <laughs> you know like <laughs> some really good true. music play <laughs> and they're like wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know this is my woman <laughs> yeah and they're just they're, like blown over <laughs> and uh and I think it's like there's a kind of fantasy I suppose is what I'm trying to say in it all which is like almost as enjoyable if not more enjoyable than mm. the reality of the situation Definitely. and again it's like I don't know you could argue I suppose that that's not very feminist spending all of that time preparing in order to mm. impress a guy but it's like I it's almost like it's not even about the guy it's actually about like you and your own fantasy of yourself mm-hmm. do you know what I mean like I think that's more what it's about because it's like you could turn up on the date and it'd be really bad you know mm. and mm. 
it's it's just not I just don't think it's like about that I think it is like you have this idea of your yourself and that's what you're preparing yourself for and I feel like we see that with Cassie and you see that in acts mm. of desperation as well it's not actually yeah. really about the guy it's like it's about them and their I don't know their feelings of love for themselves and maybe that's a really like twee way of interpreting it but no definitely and I think what connects those two things like if you haven't read Acts of Desperation Megan Nolan it's it's about quite a toxic relationship I guess um and yeah they are very connected because I do think that the protagonist in Love's uh, Acts of Desperation is maybe suffering from love addiction um mm. but also other kinds of addiction I, I feel like in the beginning of the, that book it was mentioned that she had some alcohol issues and it does feel like throughout the novel that she is very addicted to this person and mm. I, I agree with you like from before where maybe what we're seeing in, in a lot of these kinds of characters and why we bond over this is we have even though yes you've been in a relationship for two years now um we have had kind of rocky roads in love so mm. I guess we see ourselves in in these characters and definitely for me acts of desperation was like knockout read I'd definitely recommend it to anyone who's thinking about yeah. it but actually same again as with Cassie a lot of people <laughs> don't like it and mm. it's one of those Marmite reads I think it's because of this this exact reason because yeah this woman does behave I guess in questionable ways sometimes yeah I think it was like again um after I read that book because I am on Storygraph which we should just give a shout out I think yeah we love being like the good the better good reads not owned by Amazon yeah and move over <laughs> yeah we I guess do a lot of buddy reads in the book club where you can mm-hmm. join and and kind of share your progress and make comments and we did one on acts of desperation when we were both reading it. Yeah. Um, and afterwards I read, I like will read reviews of books that I've read on there. And people were like, were so harsh on the character really? in acts of desperation. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I guess without, I, I don't think we need to talk about the ending of that book, but that character goes through something like really horrendous. Mm. And I read one review where someone was like, oh, basically like I found her so annoying and I felt like she kind of brought it on herself. And it was like a oh, woman writing gosh. this review. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, yeah, I just was really shocked to read, to read I just, the, I, like, like... I just want to say as well, like, I feel like as somebody who, to be honest, I, I'm now 32 and I've been single for most of my life. Like I've had a few serious relationships, but they haven't gone on beyond two years. And I feel like it's it's been rocky and... It does feel harsh, to be honest, even, you know, within the safe space of the book club and whatever, when people are so critical of these female characters who are having difficulties in love and who are behaving in really, yeah, in questionable ways, because I just think, yeah, but, you know, it is hard out here, you know, we're trying mm. our best. And, mm. you know, and actually, the, the guy that she is dating in this book is really difficult to date, you know, and, and that's... Yeah. I'm not saying that she's not difficult. I'm just saying the more unhappy he makes her and and the more his behaviour is really unkind and cruel, the more her behaviours escalate. And I I think that's just normal human behaviour. I don't think anyone would cope well in the kind of relationship, which I've had many of, where somebody is belittling you all the time and somebody is making you feel not good about your yourself and you know really 
spoiling your enjoyment of everyday life, then you're yeah. not going to be the best version of yourself. And yeah. I just really feel like we need to stop wanting these perfect characters and mm. perfect people to be in our lives. So they don't exist. Nobody's had like a perfect love life, have they? Well, and also it's like quite boring potentially yeah, isn't so it? Boring. So, and I mean with again to give some context like if you haven't read Acts of Desperation the character in it a lot of her behaviors throughout this relationship become increasingly um like internalized sexism I guess she starts like cooking a lot for him doesn't she and it's like mm. there's a lot of focus on sex and definitely some similarities to Cassie in that way and yeah. I do think as well it's like the for me anyway reading that is the blame doesn't really fall to those people I think it's like well if that's what you've been taught will like win a man's affection then that's what Mm. you're going to do if that's what your goal is you know is to get this other person's affection I mean like I wondered when we were when we were thinking about this this topic like obviously we're just talking here about like um heterosexual heteronormative relationships and like whether they're you know whether because of that context because it's Mm. a a man and a woman it people are like oh she's not behaving in a feminist way and I wonder if there Mm. was like and I don't know whether you have any example I mean I need to think about do you know it just made me think actually um that really makes me think of in the dream house because obviously that's not heteronormative if anyone hasn't read that or to read that everybody because that is our most loved book from the book club over the I guess we've been doing it seven eight months now anyway and that is about a lesbian relationship and actually weirdly that is super super toxic but everybody across the board loved it didn't they like Mm. in the club and yeah that is interesting like yeah um but yeah I, I mean that is a really good example of a book that isn't heteronormative where um the actually though I wonder about that because the main protagonist in that kind of doesn't do anything questionable maybe that's the difference you know, her abuser, her mm. partner, they are um, very, very abusive verbally, mm. Em- mm. emotionally and verbally rather than physically, although I think it does touch on a bit mm. of um, physical. But actually, the victim, if you will, the other person in the relationship is is quite lovable. You just feel f- yeah. for them a lot. So maybe that's the difference. Yeah. I mean, this is like... Uh, because I, I've talked to you a bit about this book recently. I just read this. I just read James Baldwin's Giovanni's Room, which oh, is yeah, a very yeah. short novel, but is about a gay relationship between two men. Mm. And I think it's in the fifties. Um, but it's it's it is interesting to think about this because there's a parts of that book where the Giovanni, who's mm. not the main character, it's the person that the main character is having a relationship with starts behaving in a kind of like um housewifey way and occasionally the the main character does as well and when they argue about it they they the main character who's very like repressed kind of toxic masculinity vibes <laughs> like can't really face his own sexuality um and has kind of certain ideas about being a man says you know like two men can't, he kind of says two men can't behave like this like I'm not mm. a woman. There's this thing of like, <gasps> you know, like in a relationship, we can't, we can't do these things and that these behaviours are like prescribed 
to women as women's oh, things so which obviously yeah. is like much less the case now I think in terms of like mm. you know how unusual gay relationships or how little known they were and how mm-hmm. hidden they were for obvious reasons at that time compared to now but it's definitely interesting that that is like it was like this character saw those behaviors as female and mm. couldn't see them taking place within a relationship between two men when they're yeah, not female I, they're just they're just things that's <laughs> like, so interesting like I feel like that helps me understand better where people are coming from actually when they're talking about these issues in a different way than I am because maybe they're thinking if someone's behaving in it like maybe they're thinking we have to all fight against this 1950s type of woman mm. um, because we still have so far to go don't we to achieve actual equality and so it's more about the stereotypes of women that they're trying to push against. And maybe that's what riles people up. One of the things that riles people up about these kinds of characters, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I suppose like, I mean, maybe it's a good moment to like move on to some of the other examples. Um, Probably Lisa today is a good Mm, starting point. And we talked about animal, her novel, Mm -hmm. um, in the book club as like it was one of the first meets that we did actually I think I think it's but, the first one that you came to isn't it yeah <laughs> the only important <laughs> ones happened after I <laughs> that's where it all uh, really began <laughs> but um yeah she she before then she'd done an, a non-fiction book called three women mm-hmm. which is amazing um and she spent she spent like years living with these different women and getting their mm. stories and um I we were saying it's been a long time for both of us since we read that book but there's mm. there's a story in that book about a, a a teenage girl having a relationship with a teacher mm. and I thought like and again with Animal she she's a character who really like similar to Cassie similar to the character in its desperation will kind of like debase herself for the affection of this man that she loves yeah I think that's such an interesting thing that she does and this is definitely something that people are not loving about her work but I love Mm. is that these characters that she has it's not even characters in three minutes it's uh, non-fiction isn't it um but what's interesting about the the young girl and the professor or teacher is that she obviously is showing like she adores him mm. and that is the case like if if, if you're abused and you know <laughs> a pedophile is in love with you you're gonna be in love with them like it takes years and years of therapy to mm. get out of that headspace from what I know mm. and so why would we be critical of a heroine who has that feeling do you get what I mean and also with uh, animal um this is also yeah like you say a woman this is a, an older woman but she's always kind of walking around in her nighty. I kind of remember that mm, detail yeah. she's got this like slip dress and she barely <laughs> yeah. wears anything else and she's walking around in like the LA hills um and she gets a lot of attention from men and she's quite wealthy I think am I right mm. in remembering all this or yeah, I can't remember about her money situation, but okay. she she's definitely I don't, the nighty and the attention from men. And I, I do yeah. feel like 
obviously with like we're talking like messy female characters like <laughs> like maybe it's worth talking about like Fleabag and like it's become oh, more yes. of like a thing hasn't it like the messy woman but I do think it's like what is interesting to see about it is like I I for me anyway it definitely does speak to something that we all feel but it's like a lot of these characters maybe just do it we wouldn't necessarily do it but they Mm. act on feelings and behaviors they have in a way that we've many of us have thought to or would have liked to do you know what I mean and that's what makes it interesting and like compelling to watch them or to read about them yeah, and but I, feel... I mean, I, I'll be honest, like, I have done some of these crazy things. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> For me, it's... I'm like, other not... people. <laughs> yeah, other people. <laughs> not, no. definitely not me. <laughs> uh, I'm not, like... And I don't mind about admitting that, because I think, like, all of the complex, stupid decisions that I've made over the past, like, made me who I am. And mm-hmm. I think we all should be admitting to a bit more of that. But, yeah, like, I guess Fleabag... Do you think she was like widely adored or did she have criticism like Cassie did? She was um more adored. And yeah, I but I, I wonder if it's because I think it's because she's just about sex, really, Fleabag. Mm, she's not really yeah. about love. And I guess like in the second season you see that, but the whole story is different, really. It's much more just like a traditional love story, the second season. Mm. Whereas the first season is just her like shagging everyone (laughs) like and there's it's like people are like oh no that's feminist like because that's oh yeah it's like yeah she's acting like a man quote unquote like it's right by just you know like you said second wave like 1980s feminism with the shoulder pads i can sleep with whoever i want and yeah yeah like people are identifying themselves with that yeah it's like it's like when there's love involved though it Mm. becomes like pathetic almost and the yeah. behavior becomes pathetic whereas it's like Ooh. if it's just about sex it's like you're you're doing it from a place of like independence and I'm just gonna yeah. sleep with whoever I want but when, yeah that when love comes like, in that thing you said about the word pathetic I feel like that might be what it is as well that like it's sort of triggering for some people to see these characters because it shows their most shameful, most pathetic self. Like, it's mm. got to be in there somewhere, hasn't it? Like, everybody has got to have done something really stupid at some point. But maybe yeah. they just don't want to see that when they watch TV or they read a book. They want to be, like, to feel empowered and to feel good, at, you know, after having read it, rather than to, like, think about their own mm. insecurities and anxieties mm. and stuff, you know? Yeah, and it's like, as we're talking about this, I'm like, other examples just coming to yeah. But, like... <laughs> Girl, like girls is also a good example i think oh, with like yeah. adam yeah. and um, people hate that show Hannah. so much don't they but like yeah, yeah i mean she's very messy so i love her i just love any yeah. messy character again like if you haven't seen girls i think it's 10 years old now which made me feel old. yeah this might be like we're kind of probably just cutting out all of our gen z listeners and <laughs> supporters of the group by talking about girls yeah and I, it's Sorry. like it followed that like sex in the city thing of like four women in new york and um the main character hannah i mean it start the whole kind of show starts with her being cut mm. off by her mum and dad and she's quite like unlikable in that way isn't she have been this yeah. kind of pre- she's quite precocious kind of spoiled quite self-centered like from the beginning i think the first yeah. scene isn't it where she wants to get 
she she's really annoyed that she's getting cut off by her parents. Yeah, she's acting <laughs> like really like a princess about it. Yeah, but she has this relationship with a character called Adam, who like actually is kind of continues throughout the whole season and has such a big like character arc and change. Mm. But he's horrible in that first season yeah. to her and just behaves so badly towards her. And she again will basically just do anything to get his attention. And I think it's like is quite cringy to watch these people. Yeah. Um, because you are you are watching it like oh you're like don't do that isn't it like we're all like <laughs> don't do that's not gonna work but it's yeah. at the same time it's like I've I feel like I've been there and I when 100%. you're doing it you yeah. think it will work do you know what I mean you think you're these... obsessed with the idea about it working yeah. nothing else is in your brain I mean I've got a friend who who does um who has been to a lot of addiction type meetings and she told me that actually sex and love addiction is like the worst kind of addiction out of Mm. them all and it has the most sufferers and it's hard to break because it's yeah because of that because you know you're sold on the dream Mm. you fancy them and um want life with them and so everything I don't know yeah and we are we're really sold like love like as a dream Mm. and that kind of intoxicating version of it we see a lot in in like rom-coms and I definitely think like for us as like millennials Mm. I just so many rom-coms now so like I watch them like this is so problematic like (laughs) you know (laughs) the storylines are just yeah and they always yeah kind of it's like uh these relationships that are actually not very good or sustainable Mm. you know often have like very big highs and lows are we see as love on television Mm -hmm. and we want Mm -hmm. that and I just think these characters are like again I feel like with coming back to Cassie she is like a victim of that thing she wants like that kind of super romantic high of love yeah um and is, will do everything to get it. And it is like, you're right, like the way they behave is like addicts. And again, it's like, maybe that's what this is. It's like, for me, we're watching people who are addicted to someone yeah. and, and criticising that... them for not being feminist. is like, it's like pointless yeah. because they're addicted. Do you know I mean, they're going to do yes, anything, exactly. basically. Yeah. And like, who could blame them with what you were saying before when we're being bombarded with this shit all the time? And like, Mm. you know, what was interesting to me about um, the Beth O'Leary talk that some of us went to, um, and in general, when I've read her books, what's interesting about them is that I feel like the the men are actually well-written in that, um, you know, they're complicated and flawed and they have proper personalities, like particularly in the the flat share, you know, the guy in that, which is going to come on TV soon, um, he is, you know, really well-written, I think, in the sense that He's got an interesting job. He's he's not obsessed with her. Like, he just um, is interested in her, but he's got a whole life of his own, you know. And that is very, very rare. Like, mm. the common thing, like you're talking about with rom-coms in general, is the most common narrative is a woman who's obsessed, how can she get the man? The man mm. is very bland. I'm sorry, but he usually is. There's mm. They don't really... <laughs> there's not a lot of, like, very interesting <laughs> characters, but we're, <clears throat> we've been told by the media from a very young age that it's our job to primp and preen ourselves and mm. get ourselves out mm. there and and obsess about men mm. um 
even if you are gay and have, you know, I've read a lot of um, things from that standpoint also, where it's difficult to let go of that, that messaging of everything we do needs to be for the cishet man's gaze and to impress them. And I sometimes find myself, you know, really acting up in the presence of like white cishet men um, mm. to impress them. I've been given so much messaging for so long, you know what I yeah. mean? And what is that? <laughs> I'm basically a middle-aged woman now, so I need to stop. <laughs> yeah, and I also do think like, <laughs> this is maybe like a really controversial thing to say on like, a feminist podcast, but I feel like <laughs> you're, if you're like infatuated with someone, you're obsessed with mm. someone or anything, all of your morals go out the window. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. all of, you can have read like, you know Simone de Beauvoir like <laughs> you could be like yeah, all over so feminism true. and then when you're completely obsessed or infatuated with someone mm. all of your morals go out the window it's like yeah. any I think like feminist <laughs> things that you have I mean, maybe not completely but like I do think mm-hmm. you kind of you're just you'll just do anything so yeah because at the end of the day like from my perspective like as a single person you know and all my friends have got partners now or are engaged or in serious relationships and very much my family is saying you know have a baby and I'm thinking where from mm. you know like <laughs> like Mary in the, yeah. in the bible like Dumbo uh, bringing one yeah. out so, of the you sky know, yeah like I feel like there's a lot a lot of pressure on women mm. to live that very specific kind of life which at this point you know I'm probably not going to end up living and so you know of course you're going to go a bit mad when you're in love under those circumstances when you feel like everybody around you is saying this is what you should want this is what you should have and even Mm. I think even people who have achieved that who have got um a partner and a baby you know that might not be exactly what they wanted there Mm. are probably some people I would say who who did all of that um and you know maybe felt pushed into it obviously there's loads of people who love the life that they chose but I just think how can you be so blaming of women who go a bit crazy when they are in love in today's society you know yeah exactly so many factors at play and like Mm -hmm. I also think it's like can be so easy to speak from if you've been in a long-term relationship and you're in a very sort of stable place Mm -hmm. to have like that thing of almost being like you know like giving advice to single people oh, being yes. like oh well, I've been in a relationship for like <laughs> for this a reason exactly so like you should do. I know <laughs> like I know because I've I found it I've secured a man yeah, and happiness in a piece and now <laughs> yeah so I can tell you that you shouldn't act like that because it's not gonna work <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, super annoying. Please tell me if I ever do anything like that. No, no, never. That's that's Um, why I love you. (laughs) Never done that. Um, So, like, maybe we should uh, say a bit about Sally Rooney and then we can wrap it up because this was one of the major things we were going to talk about also. Yeah, because she's so divisive within Mm. the book club, but also, like, wider in a, you know... Um, there's been bigger discussions where people are very critical of her and like 
actually, I mean, just to give a shout out to Dave, who's in our podcast, I'm <laughs> going to be going on his podcast chatting le- to talk about Sally Rooney because I, mm-hmm. I'm like, I stan Rooney. I just love, <laughs> I love yeah, everything. I also do. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I, you know, I just, even her most recent one, even the newest one, which lots of people who liked her other ones didn't like, I loved it. Same. And again, like, you know, like on the feminist fiction Instagram and like some of the discussions that we've had about her in the book club, like, I mean, there's plenty of people who just don't like her writing style. It's just, it's not like everyone doesn't like Sally Rooney for the reasons we're about to talk about. But I think like one of the criticisms that gets, that got thrown at her that you said recently was like, and has been by the people Mm. is this thing of like oh the women are just like obsessed with the men yes. and I think it's like I don't know with with Sally Rooney I feel like this is of all the examples that we've talked about today the one that is the sort of least the thing that I least understand is the criticism yeah because I think there is this thing where like the cat she is writing about romantic relationships and therefore the characters are going to talk about the people that they're interested in and like the Mm. the women are actually very independent in her books you know Mm. Mm. like they're not um financially anyway reliant on any of the men Mm. and I don't really feel like they even do things particularly that debase themselves for the men well I don't know I think the main thing that I've been uh, hearing is about what they do sexually. I do think okay. Sally Rooney definitely has a preoccupation with um, S and M in and love, and mm. I feel like that. You know what I mean is that's in all the books, isn't it? At some point, yeah. there are muddy waters when it comes to sex, and I guess I would say do whatever the hell you want. I mean, I just feel that the criticism of that seems really bizarre to me because she's writing about real women and obvious to me it seems obvious that this is something that she's grappling with herself and I think she writes about it in a really interesting way where she is worried a bit about yeah like with Marianne for example she's very concerned um about people should say yeah Yeah. sorry yeah so in normal people if you haven't read it um what happens sexually in that is that um, there's a scene um, where her love interest, Connell, doesn't want to give Marianne what she wants sexually because he doesn't want to hurt her. So they have very different desires and that's absolutely fine. And I think it's a really interesting scene because she's not taking that, she's not taking Marianne's desire away from her. It's like, yeah, like we all just like different things. And I think it's it's interesting also because it's not coming from the man. Uh, he, you know, the fact that she's written it in that way where, mm. and that, but then also in a different part of the novel, Marianne is experiencing a sexual uh, relationship where a man is being violent to her, especially in the TV show that um, really played out horribly you know she thought Mm. she wanted it she didn't actually want it and I just think Sally Rooney for me is someone who really goes into a lot of the nuances of that and she's Mm. all she's saying is this is something that's happening you know whether we like it or not yeah everybody has different opinions on this but she's 
brave enough to explore it and her characters are messy in in that sense Mm. in that in other senses as well but in terms of sexually um then they never it's it's in the the new book as well in beautiful world where are you you know like you say in their outward lives the characters are really confident and doing their own thing um but they are a bit unsure of what they want sexually they don't really know and Mm. I, i guess that's what i'm trying to get at is again, with all the messaging that we're getting as women, how can we know what we Mm. want sexually? You know, like, where do we have a reference for that? Um, And I feel like she really poses that question well, you know? Yeah, and also I think, like, as you were talking about this, it's definitely made me think, with all of the things that we've talked about today, there's sometimes... And maybe this is just part, like a kind of hazard of doing a book club where we're like, what are the (laughs) themes? What are the messages? Like, it's like... Mm actually what stories are so good at doing is Mm. is not being like this is the message it's almost like if that's what you want to say then you should just write an article about it and put that opinion forward whereas stories can kind of be like I'm there's this side to it and there's this side to it and it's complicated and Mm. they don't actually really need to put a message across or solve the problem and like for me that's definitely the stories I like the most are things where you come away from it being like having lots of questions or like Mm. like I always think like yeah like if you go and watch a play I feel like if it's a good play you'll hear people like arguing about it in the bar yeah and being like oh no but I thought this and when they did this thing and and having yeah. yeah sparking discussion and I guess you know like the fact the existence of this podcast is like shows that all of these <laughs> things we're talking about have done that yeah and it's like I think it's that thing that almost sometimes where it feels like people like reading these things and and thinking like oh this novelist is trying to say this about this and mm. I don't think that Sally Rooney is trying to do that in her book she's not trying no. to say like this is right or this is wrong or it's uh, it's not okay to have this in sex or it is okay she's just mm. looking at it and like conveying it and getting us to think a bit about it because I think that example yeah like you say in her with the sex in her books and I mean also though I do just think I have an issue with the idea that like kink is like not feminist or something 100% yeah just do <laughs> whatever do. you want <laughs> yeah like exactly it's you know if it's done in a consensual Mm -hmm. way um and again it's like I suppose with these characters even if they are deciding to take part in a relationship that's like with a person who is treating them badly or who's sexist or any of those Mm. things I don't know that it means that we should like pile in on them like it's that thing you said earlier of like where's the I I want more compassion for these characters so much more Yeah, and actually, while you were talking, I was thinking, like, you know, what's interesting is, like you said, um, people are wanting almost, like, a narrative on a life. Like, and for me, that's that's not what I want from a book because it's Mm. not how my life is, you know. I was just thinking, like, maybe someone could write the story of my life and say, like, this is a, you know an independent strong woman who like lives on her own and is successful Mm, in mm. her career and whatever but that's absolutely not true like I'm just a person I mean I think that is true (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. but do you get what I'm saying like that's just one way to look at my life and I 
I'd rather that, like, I'd rather think about it as a multi-layered thing. Mm. Like, I'm also a lot of other things that are much, much less um, favorable and that I wouldn't want people to know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like I'm like zooming out massively on this discussion by saying this, but I do think it's also like (laughs) in the era of social media and all these things. I feel like it's like people want these like takeaway things where it's like, this is... That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Wanting to... It's more... Things have become more divisive and like, Mm. I think, yeah, seeing the response to uh, Cassie in Euphoria online was so divisive like Sally Rooney's so divisive it's like these people (laughs) want to have like this kind of side that they fall on about it and yeah I don't know I think it's like Mm. I wonder if that's why it's like it feels like you have to like know your opinion about everything now and then also be able to express it which is interesting like I feel like there is some chat as well out there about how we should really just take the time to make our decisions about what we believe and like you say we're not doing that are we we're kind of Mm. instantly putting our opinions out there and Mm. that's that is that definitely right yeah and also I suppose because so much of the like discussion is being is happening like publicly so I think it's Mm. you know discussions that maybe say like if we saw something we met up and talked about it and I have one opinion and you had another right by talking about it, I might change your mind or you may, might change my mind or we both I mean, might come to, to some that more middle ground. That doesn't often happen, though, does it? <laughs> Not like, with me and you, we're just like, I agree with you. <laughs> and I agree with you. Yeah. But yeah, in theory, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, but like, yeah, we might, our opinions might softer, soften or we, yeah, we would yeah. come to some kind of middle ground or at least like understand each other more. And it's like those conversations are happening online and then everything mm. your whole thought process is like your opinion it's like publicly shown yeah. as your opinion it's like quite hard I think for people to figure out like what they feel mm. comfortably Which is why online. I, I feel like that is what's so great about the book club now um, and yeah. because although we're saying like obviously you and I do agree on pretty much everything um yeah. that as as we've said in the beginning you know that isn't the case when we go to the book club and I do love that I do love being challenged on my opinions and if that wasn't the case if we hadn't sat down so many times and really had to think about our opinions you know we wouldn't have formed them like we wouldn't be having this podcast would we I feel like it is discourse that really makes you think a bit deeper about about things and yeah yeah. glad we did it (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And well done us. <laughs> I know. Great people. We're great people. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I love that about the book club as well. And I think some of the best ones are where everyone disagrees. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's it makes for the best discussions. And it's a much safer space, like you say, to do that than than yeah. doing it online. That's true. Like, sometimes people come and, like, I'm violently disagreeing with them. But... We're, we're just learning from each other in a in a safe space and in a space where there's no judgment and they, they're not going to have the whole internet down yeah. their necks if they've said something that isn't exactly PC, you know, yeah. to help each other learn. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe this is quite a nice way to, like, wrap up the yeah, conversation. Yeah, we actually, like... <laughs> We've done it. We did a podcast. We did it. We did a podcast. I'm so proud yeah. of us. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think it's like, I, I mean, it's been really interesting to think about this particular issue and like where mm. we stand on it and why we think what we think about it. But, um, you know, I will be sharing this online. So tell us what you think, you know, tell us your feelings about it. Or like, I definitely would love to hear recommendations of like similar stories or similar books mm. on this, because as you can probably tell from the fact we've dedicated a whole podcast episode <laughs> we quite like reading about these types of stories and relationships and characters absolutely but also like feel... if you don't I can't, I want to know why like you know it definitely yeah. is really interesting to me you know definitely and I think you know with this being our first one as well um it would be great to hear from everybody else what they want to hear us talk about next um if they want us to do another one we would love to yeah and uh yeah I absolutely want everyone to feel like encouraged by this I don't want them to feel like we're um criticizing their opinions we want to hear yours now you can just tell us we're totally wrong if you want to um we're just happy <laughs> that you've listened all the way to the end thank you so much for listening everyone we get to do that thing now as well of being like like and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> yeah follow feminist fiction <laughs> yeah follow feminist fiction on instagram yeah, at Feminist.Fiction. And yeah, I guess for anyone who doesn't know about us, um, in the Manchester one, if you want to join us, you have to pay a fiver every month and then you get access to like um, multiple book clubs online and in person, blah, blah, blah. That's that's it in yeah. a nutshell. Also, Hope you come on board. <laughs> event, workshops yeah. we've done. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we, yeah, we went to see like author talks, you know, just yeah. come join us. We'll put all of the information in the <laughs> podcast description. That's it. We did it. <laughs> yeah. Hope everybody's having a good day. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>